Hi guys, and welcome to Honest Theology, a podcast where we get to ask real questions about a real faith and a real God. Questions that you might not normally get to ask in church. Today we're continuing our series on the Trinity, all about the Father. Even to the Israelites, there was a, a struggle to recognize him as Father. So coming back yeah. to the question. Well done, that's my job. <laughs> I think the cross is the ultimate pain in the whole of human history. I'm Paul Serstad with Dr. Hugh Osgood. Let's be honest. So today we're talking all about, uh, I'm going to go part one of the Trinity in this trilogy. Actually, it's not a trilogy because we're doing four. Anyway, um, part one being the Father. Um, Now, would you say, looking at just spectrum of all religions and everything, the Father seems to be the most famous. Do Do you know what I mean? What do you mean, of the Trinity or of all religions? Of, of the Trinity. Everyone knows, like, when we say God, I think everyone's mind instantly goes to the Father. Why, why, why is that? We don't, we don't think of Jesus. We don't think of Holy Spirit. When we say God, at least for me and I think a lot of people that I talk to, we think immediately of the Father. Sure. Okay, I think the main reason for that is because when you come into the New Testament... Jesus has come to make the Father known. He says he's the only one who knows him, and he's come to make the Father known. So that's his priority. Mm. So that's why everyone thinks the Father, because but even Jesus bef- came to do that. But even before that, we have Jesus, I think even then we think of... It, it, like if you just imagine uh, the three persons of the Trinity... In all religions, I know, I know all religions don't think about the, the Trinity in that way, but when you say God, everyone thinks of the Father. Uh, Jews would think, um, I assume they would think the Father figure. That's interesting because actually I think there are instances in the Old Testament where you do get the concept of God as Father. David talks in the Psalms about mm. father-like care and things like that, but it isn't necessarily what people would have taken away. I mean, I think a lot of people would have thought about the authority of God rather than his fatherly care. So I think it's something that Jesus was really trying to bring through, that people probably hadn't thought about God as father in that way, and then he reveals him as the father. Yeah, okay. So, so Romans one twenty talks about everyone can see there is a God by creation. Yeah. Now, is, is that the father that they... See, because I, I'm talking about uneducated, you know, farthest uh, desert. Um, sure. You know, they they don't go Jesus. They see creator. Actually. Creator. They see and, creator. And that seems to be when we look at the Genesis one story, more linked with the the father part. I, I know they're the same. I know, but we all. I think if we're honest, we all do that. We all kind of. We do separate the three. Yeah, I mean, what we're doing is we're reading back into the Old Testament from our perspective of Jesus having revealed God as Father. When you come to it afresh, as you're saying, if you look at it from an anthropological point of view, how other people see God, you find that people see him as creator. Mm. And there's a certain, I think, antipathy towards seeing him as Father because You know, there's a sense in which a father figure has affection and care. Well, a lot of these faiths that are looking at God as creator don't see that affection. They don't see that care. They see someone who is distant, someone who is detached. 
and they're trying to work out how to have a relationship with him. But so, you can also go, but, but that's with our thought of father. We mm-hmm. have, you know, you look through, father's sometimes a very authoritarian sure. figure and not a, some cultures, not a loving, you know, fathering relationship. It mm-hmm. is very rigid, very dismissive. Um, well, let me turn it around. Let me put it the other way around. Supposing we could be saying that actually there's a sense in which when we come to see God as father, mm. that could actually change our understanding of fathering. So if you haven't got an idea of God as father, then you've probably got some kind of authoritarian approach. And maybe that actually comes through in the way that people live their lives if they haven't had that particular revelation of God. I mean, you say that God is, um, you know, the, the affectionate, caring, loving father that, we, that we've got to know especially since the, you know, the revelation that Jesus brought. Um, but how did they understand that in, in the Old Testament times when you see him command the wiping out of other nations? Mm-hmm. Um, because that seems quite against caring, loving, affectionate. Yeah, and there were reasons why God was establishing himself as the authority figure, the one who's in control, And he was also taking a nation to which he was, in some ways, tutoring them in all kinds of things, not least in spiritual warfare. So you've got this idea of conquering and all of that comes in. But it's when Jesus comes and starts revealing him as father that you begin to have a different understanding. There are people in the Old Testament who get a glimpse of God in a different way. I think, for example, Moses, who was talking to God face to face, Abraham, who's described as a friend of God, David had an intimate relationship with Mm. God. And you see that in some of the prophets, but you wouldn't find everybody immediately saying at that particular point, number one, our understanding of God is he's a father. That's something that I think comes through the revelation that Jesus brings. Okay. So do, do we, in terms of his fathering qualities, though, we see that very much in the Israelite people um, because they're the ones he's protecting and telling to wipe out everyone else. But if he is the God of all creation, what is he to everybody else? Well, I think even to the, even to the Israelites, there was a a struggle to recognize him as father. And it's, it's at times when, when Moses is saying he's carrying us and things like that and giving the impression that he's fathering. But they were battling with these kind of issues as well. Mm. They, they wanted to win their fights. They were praying for God's intervention in those kind of situations. You get outside of that Old Testament revelation and you start looking at, at the rest of the world and where the other people were at in terms of trying to get some kind of understanding of God. Because there's a, there's a general revelation of God in creation which people understood. They knew that there was a creator God. Even polytheistic yeah. religions know that there's a creator God. Uh, or at least there's a, there's something a, a boss there. God. Yeah, the lot yeah that's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's use. Yeah, yeah uh, that's it. The boss God yeah. Im- image. And they know that. And partly what they're trying to do all the time is to work out how to get that relationship. Mm-hmm. How do you get that relationship with a God that is at times looking like a distant creator figure? And this is why we, we see God moving through the Old Testament to bring us to the point where we get that fullness of revelation that comes in Christ. Yeah. Uh, so so when, we, when we say the creator God, we, I, just, uh, I don't know why it's conditioned, obviously, in some the society I'm brought up in, but I do think to Father when I go creator God uh, because we've got, um, you know, the spirit is, is hovering over the deep, 
So he, he's there, he's involved, um, and Jesus is the word. So maybe he is the, let there be. But yeah. who spoke, let there be? That's a good question, isn't it, really? And I think we have to come back to that. And I, I don't have a problem with seeing the father's role in creation, just as I don't have a problem with seeing the son's role in creation or the spirit's role in creation. And I think we've got that revelation in the Old Testament mm. of, of God in all of his Trinitarian greatness, even though there's no Trinitarian understanding there. So people have a, people have a revelation of, of the Father, I think, it, it, you know, generally of this creator, this almighty top dog, yeah. you know. Because even, even we go Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We, we still put him first because um, Jesus demonstrates that as well. Yeah, yeah that's right. Um, but people won't necessarily have a revelation of the Son or of the Holy Spirit. And, and this, I mean, those two aspects, they're the things that are so um, tied up with a Christian faith. They're the things that need to be taught, right? Not necessarily the, the Father. Oh, I, I do think we need to teach the Father. Uh-huh. I do. I think this is something that... But if I go just teaching, if I just teach about the Father, you haven't got the Christian faith. Because that's, we, we often go, oh, I'm going to demonstrate my, my, my faith by going, uh, God loves you, God is this, God is that. And that's just a plethora of gods that we're talking about. It's not, I think we only reveal who God is when we go through Jesus, because then it's the identity of God. Yeah, and I also think that when we go through Jesus, we have a better understanding of the fatherhood of God as well. Yeah. So I, I think we need to teach the fatherhood of God. I mean, if Jesus came to show us who the Father is, then obviously for us to bypass that and say, oh, well, we don't need to bother about that, we've all got some kind of understanding of that, is to miss a lot of what the gospel is about. It's about Jesus revealing the heart of the Father. And also his sacrifice is intrinsically linked with the Father heart of God because God so loved the world that he gave so you, you begin to see God's father heart actually right there in the cross. This is the father giving his son. It's not just Jesus saying, right, I'll do that. Yeah, it, it is an act. But when we, when we go uh, in, in, into Islam and their worship of Allah, uh, when we go into even the Greek mythology and the worship of Zeus and stuff like that, we, we see that as the, this, this father figure, this God figure. Um, and that... That's kind of synonymous with our God. Like, even just take the the, the, the three um, Abrahamic faiths. It is the Father that, that they are all worshipping in some way or another. Because the Jews had knew what, who the Father was. They knew who God was, and Jesus came to reveal further about what it was. We can't say he, they didn't, because then we're, then we're a branch out of nothing. Yeah, I think you've still got to hold to the fact that the, the revelation of God, when God reveals himself in any form, he is still a Trinitarian God revealing himself, mm. even if people don't understand his Trinitarian nature. So does that mean that the Father is capable of accepting people into heaven through their worship of him? No, because you come to the Father through Jesus and the sacrifice that is made. So what we're talking about here is we're talking about God who's got a father heart towards his creation. 
but there's yeah. no there's no reciprocation of that there's no response from creation because the creation doesn't have any access because yeah, he's not yeah. just father in terms of love he's also a father who's infinitely just who's infinitely wise mm-hmm. who dwells in unapproachable light who is is just such a father that there's that how are we going to get into relationship with this god who's totally pure totally holy and that's all in his nature. And that's where Jesus comes in. Absolutely. But there's this verse that really stumps a lot of people, uh, which talks about and you're being... hoping it's going to stump me right well, now. Well, no, uh, because I, a lot of people have an answer to it. But there's this thing that, that judged on the light that they've been given. Yeah. Right? Sure. And it, it is an uncomfortable verse, because if we stick so strongly to that, that Christian knowledge that it's through Jesus... What does that verse mean? Because if someone's never heard of the gospel, but they still worship a father, because they they, they recognize the creator God, Mm -hmm. but they haven't heard of Jesus, and they've not been able to because we haven't fulfilled the Matthew 28 uh, commission, what does that leave them? Because their, their light has been very small. Their light has only been the Romans 120 creation. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I do. I know exactly what you mean. And I think what we're facing here is where we're taking something that's relatively small, mm-hmm. where it's referred to in, in Romans. It talks about that even when they've had that understanding that's brought them into some kind of relationship, they've still got conflict, conflicting thoughts and conflicting conscience and everything else on the inside. So I don't think we're talking about like the rest of the human race that hasn't heard the gospel automatically get into heaven on a sort of bypass ticket. Mm. I think there is possibility that, according to that verse, there will be some people who somehow have responded to the Father heart of God in a way that is acceptable. But I think it is so, so exceptional. We're not talking about... So that's without Jesus. Well, I think it's... It must be something in there because we're all trying to get to the bottom of that verse and there's all different yeah, yeah. explanations of coming up for it. But I think it must be that there's something in the way that people approach the Father that acknowledges that there, there needs to be a sacrificial giving for them to come into that relationship. So they're not coming on the basis of my merit. They're not coming on the basis that has diminished God to some little God that anyone can mm-hmm. approach. Mm-hmm. But there's, they've got a huge sense of the awesomeness of God. And, and they're, they're seeking a way in which they find access. Now, all of this is very thin ice because we don't know exactly how this all works out. Yeah, because that in itself essentially contradicts there is no way to the father except through the son yeah but i think what we're having to say in that particular verse is that have they found some kind of revelation of the son that brings them to the father even though they wouldn't be able to put the name of jesus they wouldn't necessarily be able to connect it all up Mm. but there's no other way in other than you come to the father through the son but is it possible? That's the question that you're left with once you've looked at that particular verse. Because there's the re- you could be repentant. There could be repentance. Yeah. There could be faith. There could be a Ooh. reaching out. You're, you're onto some Ooh. big issues. That's here. tough. <laughs> <laughs> but that brings us back to the fact that we've got yeah. to preach the gospel. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We've got to be out there telling people. Because the, the the thing that people say is the worst thing you can do is tell people the gospel. If they know if they didn't know about it, they were in heaven, and you tell them, and now they're in a pickle, because now they know about it, and if they don't respond to it, they're... Mm. Yeah, that, no, we're talking about response. We're talking yeah. about a response yeah. to the Father heart of God 
that involves repentance, that involves faith, and that repentance and that faith flows from an understanding of Jesus. Right, back to the father. Why not the mother? Why is God male? Do you really think that is the way we define it? That he is so masculine that... Well, it just seems a bit odd because he's, he, God is spirit, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay, just checking myself. And spirit is male? Or is it all defined on Jesus? Uh, Part of the difficulty we have is that we have to go with the revelation that God has given. Yeah, of course. So God has chosen to reveal himself in this way, and so we have to accept that. Now, why God has chosen to reveal himself in a way that leaves us all applying all these masculine characteristics to him Mm. as if that's the only understanding of God that is acceptable, I think is just part of God's graciousness because he's revealing himself in a way that he wants to be known, but that's still open to misinterpretation. So I think that there's a real sense in which what we do very often is we take God's revelation where he's been pleased to use the male pronoun and see himself in that particular way in presenting himself to us like that. And then we take that and then we, we apply a whole load of masculinity to it and it suddenly becomes a macho revelation in a way that I'm not sure God wants to bring. Have we done that, or is that in Scripture? I think it's a mixture. I think in Scripture we see the way that God wants to reveal himself, Yeah. and if we could come with that kind of understanding. But then when we're reading it, we do still tend to read it through our own cultural lens. And so we end up very often, I think, placing a whole lot of greater sort of masculine impression upon God than actually but even if we look justified. at if we look at the um, the first man um, you, know, you know looking at I know there's the argument of Genesis 1 being poetical or being um, exactly the narrative of what happened but we we get this story about Adam being the first man and that's after God says, let us make man in our own image. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know man is for mankind and Adam means mankind. But the first creation out of his image is that of a man. And then when we see the second Adam, which is Jesus, it is again a man. Is, th- is that him just making sure that we know that he's like, I'm a dude, bros. <laughs> or not bros, sons. <laughs> Uh, I don't know why he's from California. I just no, kind of, I know. Uh, I just wonder where the accent came from. Well, you know, I think God's often this big booming voice. I like to think of him as a surfer dude. Okay, not really. I just, <laughs> <laughs> just you get that one from. <laughs> so, oh, there's so dear. many waters, you know, hovering over the water. You know, little. Okay. Da, 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 da. Anyway, uh, yeah. Answer I, me. Sometimes you take me places I never expected to go. The Spirit of God on a surfboard. I never expected it. Really it really changes things. Yes, I mean, yeah. it would great, make, make a great movie, you know, big wave at the end. There we go. So coming back yeah. to the question. Well done. That's my job. <laughs> <laughs> when God created in the first instance, mm-hmm. he is creating male and female. All right. Yeah. Okay. You come into chapter two, you see the man was created first and the woman was taken out from man. God's trying to teach us lessons in that which is lessons of relationship and respect and all of those kind of things. 
I think obviously there is going to be a, a revelation where Christ takes on humanity. Mm-hmm. That's agreed from the beginning. I mean, in the Garden of Eden, it's talking about the seed of the woman will bruise the serpent's head. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So obviously we're going to have an incarnation because go back beyond that. Jesus is the lamb that's slain from the foundation of the world. So there within the Godhead, there's the agreement. And then you come to the moment where God says this is going to be expressed and there's going to be a seed of a woman that's going to bruise the serpent's head. So, Well, it has to be the seed of a woman because the man doesn't give birth. Absolutely. That's not, yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. I'm just, what I'm I'm just like, I thought, yeah, no, sorry. Yeah, no, no. But what, what we're saying at that particular point is, is God is going to take on flesh. Mm-hmm. Okay, somehow. Yeah, yeah. And you have a, then the question is, so why did he take on male flesh? Yeah. But then that's part of God's desire to present himself in, in that particular way. But, but you then get into this, this sort of ultra macho Jesus as well that some people present. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, I know, but but we don't we don't have a, a a third option. God can't come as something other than male or female. He has to come as one or the other. Yeah. So he takes on male well, flesh. But but there's a whole load of uh, ways in which we start applying that that mm-hmm. then put pressure on this. But God's heart is to reveal Himself to us, and. We need to look much more at the personality of Jesus, the character of Jesus, rather than push the masculinity of Jesus. But even when you look at God's rules in uh, Exodus, Leviticus, and then what he sets up, he seems to be, very, you know, he seems to be very pro-male. Do, do you and know what I mean? Th- because we, we have um, head of the household, we have the, the spiritual fathers, we have all the, the uh, submitting to... Um, I, I don't know men submit to women and women submit to men. That's that's an un, a misunderstanding of that passage. But, you know, we see in Leviticus, it's very much a male world that is being set up. This first theocracy that is like, and man is the boss. Um, so why, why is he so pro-male? I, I really, again, I, I come back to the fact that I think God is revealing himself mm-hmm. and revealing these principles. I think the way he set up an order in society in, in Israel is very clear. I'm not sure that God expects exactly that same uh, paternalistic society to be the pattern for, the, all. for all time. Mm-hmm. The fact that he chose to do that, that's how he revealed himself in the Old Testament. I don't see it in every example in the New Testament either. I think God's moving something out. So if you look at the way that Jesus... It just seems odd to move something out when you had the ability to set the agenda from the beginning. Like you could... A lot of people dismiss the Mary and Martha encountering... uh, You know, they're left out of some of the gospel messages because they were women and that weren't important in those scriptural writings. But they were absolutely important to Jesus. Absolutely, but we had the the thing at the beginning to be able to set it up, to be like, ah, they're important from day one. Yeah, and then we'd be in a different position, wouldn't we now, where, yeah. where we'd have a, a maternalistic society and we'd be saying, what about the men? Yeah, what okay, about the yeah, men? Yeah. So, you know, yeah, okay. the, the, the reality... It being like equal. <laughs> no, people don't work like that. Though. It doesn't no, work like that yeah. until you actually come into a real revelation of, of who God is. Yeah. And then when you come to a revelation of who God is, some of these, these stereotypes begin to go because if you really understand what God is seeking to reveal... 
he's trying to reveal his nature rather than sort of that masculinity thing. Mm. So if you look at what Christ-likeness means, if we're going to be like Christ in order to be like God the Father, then it's, it's, it's not male characteristics, it's, it's characteristics that can apply equally to male and female. Yeah. Okay, is, is God the Father completely God? Yeah. He is. And this is the same God in the Old Testament. Yes. The Jewish God. Yes. The same God, essentially, as, as the Muslims would worship Allah, because Genesis 13, we see that split, and they carry on worshipping the Father. It is an Abrahamic split. Yes, although what you then have is subsequent revelation. So we've got the situation where Islam isn't just based on its understanding of the creator God from the Old Testament, but incorporates into it that which Muhammad brings through the Quran. Mm -hmm. So it's not just this is what we all had at the beginning. But it's uh, a part revelation. Yeah, I think it's a partial revelation. Or rather, a partial, part unrevealing because they had it and then they lost it. I think, yeah, I think where I would see it is is very much that when God created, there was a general revelation. So there yeah. was that understanding. Yeah. You then get the fact that Abraham comes to know God in a more intimate way, and then you get a breaking away from that particular point. Mm. And there are issues that come very, very quickly into that situation. Even when you're tracing routes through Isaac and Ishmael, you've got things that begin to come down through different routes. Yeah. And then you've got the fact that um, there's a, an accepting of the revelation that comes through Christ uh, mm -hmm. within Christianity. There's not that same accepting of the revelation that comes through Christ in Islam, although they will respect Jesus in certain ways. Yeah, of course. And then you add to that what Muhammad brings into the mix, and suddenly you're looking at two very different things. So even when you're looking at the nature of God from an Islamic perspective, you're not actually looking at the same characteristics because you're then looking at it through the lens of subsequent uh, understanding. So whereas... do, we, do, we, do we have the same characteristics as Orthodox Jews or Messianic Jews or Catholic uh, traditions or those? Do we have the same understanding? One, because what we were saying earlier is that we read back according to the revelation that we now have. Yeah. So we have an understanding of God the Father because the way that Jesus has revealed him to us. He came to make the Father known. Yeah. And so in that revelation, we then are able to look back into the Old Testament and see, oh, yeah, I'm trying to see the Father heart of God, I understand God in this. Now, if someone's had a different understanding so they haven't had a revelation mm -hmm. uh, of the father through christ they're going to read back in a different way okay so you're going to have a jewish interpretation of the old testament you're going to have an islamic interpretation of the old testament and you're going to have a christian interpretation of the old testament because we read back according to subsequent understanding but we have said that the jewish god is the father you said it earlier when I... Uh, well, there's, a, there's the an acceptance of the Old Testament scriptures as they yeah. stand. So 
there and, is that. There. And, and if God is the three in one, if he is the Trinity, mm-hmm. then when they're worshipping and praying to the Father, are they not worshipping and praying to the Trinitarian God? Yes, but without that degree of understanding. So, you know, that's... Which is what we said last time. Yeah, There's a exactly. degree of understanding yes, that is needed absolutely. for yeah. salvation. Definitely. Okay. Um, d- does that mean that understanding? So the, the, Jewish, the Jewish people today... Um, who, who are who are um, not just uh, by, by by race but by by belief, um, they are still praying to God the Father. Uh, you know, when we separate them out, that's who they know. They don't know. They don't recognize Jesus. They don't recognize the Holy Spirit. They do recognize the Father. I know they don't call him that, but Yahweh. They recognize mm. Yahweh. Mm-hmm. Um, so does he still? Does Yahweh still accept their? prayers their worship yeah I'm, I'm sure that he does but i think that what we're talking about is not just prayer and worship we're uh-huh. talking about an intimacy of relationship now if you go back to the book of acts mm-hmm. a lot of those early conversions were people who were coming from a totally jewish background yeah you've got someone like paul who was a pharisee of the pharisees yeah, he really yeah, kept yeah. the law he 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 was totally sold out on the judaism that he knew but he then talks about a level of relationship with God that he enters into through Christ that he didn't know previously. Mm. So we need to respect that God does actually hear people's prayer, take an interest in their lives, meet their needs. He does all of these kind of things. But, but that's not the sum total of what God wants to bring. He wants to, he wants to bring people into a level of intimacy with him, which, which only comes when... Number one, we've accepted the fact that we can't come to the Father ourselves. We need a saviour to bring us. Yeah. And we accept Jesus as the saviour. We accept his death on the cross for our sins. And we accept his resurrection life into our life as a transformative experience. So, yes, there are similarities, but there's also quite a big difference. So the Old, the Old Testament view of, of God, of the Father, is, is, a, is only really a partial understanding a partial revelation well, because jesus comes jesus to comes make to re- him known yeah, so it is just it is partial so we've had a yeah we have extra revelation of who yeah, he is sure. now um when we, when we come to the, the the name of god yahweh mm-hmm. is that the father <sighs> because when, it doesn't have a name everyone else has a name yeah yeah and, and, and the way that God revealed himself when Moses said, who shall I say sent me, he says, I am who I am. Yeah. And the implication of that is I am who I am, and I was what I was, and I will be what I will be. It's not a separating out. There's that sense of the eternal existence of God is yeah. in that statement. Um, and then we try and bring it down and how are we going to encapsulate that. Now, now the Jews actually took the name of God so seriously that they never pronounced it. Yeah, but that's how Jehovah comes So about, we've right? got Jehovah, we've yeah. got Yahweh, Yehovah, depend, you know, different parts of the world will pronounce it different ways because we just do not know what the vowel sounds would have been with those, those four consonants, basically. Yeah. So we're, we're sort of on a little bit of a challenge here. Okay. But I, it, again, you know, this whole question of the name is much more tied up with the nature than most people realize. Oh, yeah, because it's, it's... It's a revelation of his nature. Yeah, so, I will be what I will be. I yes, am who I am. Yes. So when you say, when he says, I am love, that is his name because it's what he is. Yes, I absolutely. Am. 
And, and in a Jealous. sense, yeah, <laughs> I know. I mean, we, we've got names. You call me Hugh, I call you Paul. Yeah. That's great. But we know each other a whole lot better than that. Yeah, yeah. You know, I don't just know you as Paul. I know you, whatever you'd be called, I yeah. know you through just knowing you. It's almost like if I was to say um, uh, Hugh is wise, wise would be your name, almost. It's that kind of... Well, only your <laughs> <laughs> Hugh has a degree of wisdom or, you know... Um, yeah, a modicum. <laughs> No, but they're, they're, they are names that we attribute to ourselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and, and, and the name in that context would have actually been... One of the whole sort of prophetic things was there, like why Noah was called Noah, because his father was convinced that in his day, the earth would be, would be comforted. So he gives him a name with that sort of prophetic understanding. But, you know, comforted, I mean, is it? Yeah. Paul means little, Hugh means bright. I yeah, mean, yeah. how do we end up like we are then? <laughs> but the father's attributes... I, I say the father because that's the no, this is fine, old, the old Testament yeah. understanding. His attributes are, um, especially from an outside look, uh, his attributes and what he is, is typically um, assigned as, as wrathful mm-hmm. or vengeful, mm-hmm. um, which then goes to, I am who I am, wrathful, vengeful. Is that, is that the case? Even in the Old Testament, you can see that there's a lot more to God than that. Mm. You can go to certain verses, you can pick up the, the, the warfare verses, and you get some kind of understanding. But then you look at someone like Moses, you look at someone like David, you look at someone like Abraham, and their knowledge of God is, is much more intimate than that. And as soon as you come closer and you get to know God better, then some of those early impressions fade away. Because... A lot of these impressions of God are based upon distance. He's afar off. He's remote. He's removed from us. Yes, he engages in our battles, but it's always like throwing rocks from on high. It's not sort of being there in the midst of us. Whereas some of these people really understood a much, much closer relationship with God. And and it's that which they saw that is brought into fullness in the New Testament. Mm. Yeah. But we, does that mean he doesn't really care that much about the people who are not close to him? Because the way he speaks about other nations is so, um, I want to say dismissive, but that's not even good enough because it is like wipe them out. Um, You're still in the Old Testament, aren't you? I mean, I am, you come I, into the yeah, New in the Testament, Testament and the whole emphasis is let's go to the nations. Let's be there. I know, but we have other to. Other sheep will I bring that. But we can't just fold. ignore the Old Testament because that's where a lot of people look at. And that's where a lot of people have a struggle with. People struggle with. And even you, you want to go to the New Testament. People struggle with the fact that the person closest to the father, Jesus, he put on a cross and killed him. Like, that's what it looks like getting close to the Father? It's like victimization. This is where you have to come to the understanding that the level of oneness between the, the Father and the Son is something that is beyond our normal level mm. of understanding. It, it cannot be like a Father and a Son. It's much closer than that. Um, even though there's a physical similarity between fathers and sons at a natural level, the relationship between God the Father and, the, and God the Son is so close that actually Jesus is the Father offering himself. Yeah. So otherwise it becomes an immoral act, and, and there's no way in which the cross is that. This is, that, is, is that God why, the Father giving himself. Yeah. Is that why God, God revealed, because we don't have the name Father until Jesus, you know, 
goes, Abba Father. Um, is, is that why? Because we suddenly have the Son. So it's like, oh, that's who the Father is. Yeah, I think that's a large part of yeah, it. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Um, but then there's that sentence that Jesus says on the cross, um, which if it is the Father giving himself, he says, Father, why have you forsaken me? Um, which doesn't sound like the Father down there then. Well, when Jesus dies on the cross, he takes the weight of human sin upon himself. Mm. The big issue with sin, the biggest issue with sin, is that it separates us from God. Okay, it messes up society, it messes up your own life, but more than anything, sin is the big block that, that stops us having a relationship with God. So when Jesus takes the sin of the world upon himself, mm. there is that moment where he cries out and says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So in that moment, because, it, you know, we've said that... He was that dying God, as a sin offering. We say that, the, the, you know, the Father can't even look at sin. It's mm -hmm. that, you know. So in that moment, is the unity of the Trinity broken? Wow, that's such a big question, isn't it? I, I know some people preach that, that this is the, 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 the gap that opens up to let us in. I'm just about comfortable with that concept, that there's really? a gap that opens up that lets us in. But as soon as you go beyond that and start implying that in some way Jesus um, was so separated from the Father that it split the Trinity, I think you've really got a, a problem there because that there's hurts. such yeah. a closeness in that but you know, relationship. But that, that almost, that but almost Jesus, hurts more, though, because it, it's that really, like, if you think, it, it, even our human comprehension of a trinity and just being split from that, that is painful. Like, that, that actually makes me empathize even more with what happened on the cross. Well, well, keep going in that direction, because I think the cross is the ultimate pain in the whole of human history. It's the agony that God was prepared to put himself through in order to secure our redemption. And even yeah. though I would struggle with the idea of there being a split in the Trinity, mm. the pain that was involved in that relationship at yeah. that particular point in order to purchase our salvation is something that, you know, when it says the Father gives the Son, we just get the impression, okay, that's no problem because he's going to get him back again. But actually... The cost in that is huge, and the willingness of the son to lay down his life is huge. And although I don't believe that it actually splits open the Trinity, I actually believe that there's a pain in there and an anguish in there, which if we'd heard that cry from the cross, we'd really have experienced it. But the amazing thing is, after he cried, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? There comes that moment where he says, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. So yeah. it's incredible that even though he's become the sin offering for us and, as it were, taken the weight of sin yeah, upon himself, yeah. he's still got this absolute trust in his Father, which says, into your hands I commit my spirit. So it's amazing. It, so, it's, so in this moment, what, what was the Father's role on the cross? Oh, How can you put it into words? Yeah. I mean, just John 3.16 is the thing that everybody knows. Yeah. And it trips off everybody's tongue so Hardly easily. But, but the so in that, God so yeah. loved. I mean, we just can't comprehend it, you know? We have human relationships where we get on well with one another. We really care about one another. But 
you know, I, I, I might love you as my best friend, but, you know, God so loved. I mean, what, mm. where does that take us? It takes us into a place, you know, the closer you are, the more pain you feel. Yeah. And, and all of that was happening on the cross. It's huge. Hmm. That's great. So he is almighty father and loving daddy at the yeah. same time. Yeah. That's great. Well, um, I want to dive in more about the cross moment, but that's going to be in uh, the next episode when we talk about the sun. Jesus. I look forward to talking about Or is it? No, 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 no. Come on. I look forward to talking about the cross. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks so much, guys, for, uh, for listening or for watching if you're on YouTube. Please remember to uh, like, share, and subscribe to us on the podcast. Leave us a review. It really helps us reach more and more people. Thanks, guys, and see you next time.